Do you think that God has a sense of humor? I think so. As I look out there and I see you, I think God has a sense of humor. God made the platypus. Yeah. When, when uh, every week, you don't know this, but Bob Brown, our custodian, takes the sermon title for the week and he puts it out on the, the signboard so that people driving back and forth will sort of be intrigued by what's going to be preached on Sunday and hope, hopefully that will encourage people to come in. And so Bob saw this week's title and it says, Geriatric Humor. And he looks at me and says, you know what's good about geriatric humor? I said, no, what? He says, you can tell the same stories over and over and they're always fresh. <laughs> you know, geriatric medicine is a, a new field that has just been burgeoning. And I always thought that I should have gone into geriatric ministry because as the baby boomers uh, get older, I mean, we're turning 60 and so on this year, that there's going to be more and more clientele, at least in our lifetime. And so there is this one entrepreneurial fellow who had his business card, and on the, on the face of it, it said, uh, how do you keep a geriatrics patient busy? It's the other side. So you turn the card over, and it says, how do you keep a geriatric patient <laughs> busy? It's the other side. <laughs> And so you may wonder, in the midst of the serious season of Lent, a time when we're supposed to be thinking about the, those who are suffering in the world today and to think about Christ's suffering on our behalf, where we're supposed to reflect on our relationship with God and find ways to build the bridge to make it greater. And so why in the world would, would those who designed the lectionary and assigned each week's text reading assign Genesis 17 and Romans 4 to be our readings for today to talk about geriatric humor? Well, the truth of the matter is God does surprise us. Is that not true? Think about when we were struggling to send James Palali over to uh, Ethiopia to meet his family and to bring them back. And Dennis told this story, I think it was at our annual meeting, where Dennis knew how much money it was going to cost. And Gary had how much it, the, the costs were going to be. Dennis had the amount of money we had received to support those costs. And so we're in a meeting where Gary is going to share with us what the costs are. And so Dennis jumps out of his chair and comes back into the room. And he says the amount of money that has at that time had been offered to help support James go and collect his family and come back. And Gary announced the amount that we needed. And do you know they were within $20 of each other? 
Surprise! God provided for us. Dennis was crying, Gary was laughing, and Peggy was taking deep sighs of, of just amazement. You see, God is a God that we can trust. I wonder in your life, where have you seen where God has surprised you or surprised someone else? Has it not happened in your life at some point? Where you thought something was going to happen and God just had other intentions? A man was seeking a call to a new pastorate and he drove through this small town in uh, the desert of central Nevada and he said, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere but this town. The name of the town was Wells, Nevada. And uh, guess where he served? Wells, Nevada. See, God brings out all kinds of surprises. But when you're really like old Abraham, you aren't surprised much anymore. If you're reaching 99 years of age, you're probably got it all figured out. You've seen it all and you know what to expect. You know the way things work. You know that if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know by that age that there really is no such thing as a free lunch. You've got some of the mysteries of life already settled. What it means to have responsibility and how you handle that. Sex and the attraction to another human being. You know about it. The comfort of companionship. The career wasn't the most important thing in your life. The end is closer now than the beginning and you, be, you start thinking about life in a different way. You don't ask how so much as why. Because reduced energy means increased intentionality. You get to choose where you expend the limited resources that you have. Your attention, your energy, your finances. Abraham was pretty old when this story occurs. And the word, his name at first was Abram. But after he had the experience with God, his name became Abraham. A change of name in the olden days meant that a significant shift in your life, your identity, who you are, has occurred. Even when they give you a name at a baby, it's God-led, and it is to identify your character and who you are, not just you know, distinguish you from the person sitting next to you. So when they had the baby, they called the baby Isaac, and Isaac means to laugh. Why did they name their baby Isaac? Hmm. I want you to read verse 7 or hear verse 17. We didn't include that yet. And this is where God says to Abraham that you have new lives and you're going to be blessed and she's going to have a son. Then Abraham fell on his face 
and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And so Abraham laughed. And when the, the baby was born a year later, they called the baby laughter. Does God have a sense of humor or what? You see, as he was talking to God, Abraham, Abram then, had fallen on the ground in obedience and subservience to God. And as God was telling him that, that he and his wife will have a baby and he's going to be this father of a great nation and a multitude of people, you could just imagine. You could just imagine he's bowed down, but he's, he's turning his head to the right. And he's looking at Sarai. And he's thinking to himself, she has no teeth. She's all wrinkled. Her hair is white. How is God going to do this? This is impossible. And so he laughs. He laughs with incredulity. He laughs at the folly of God because he doesn't trust. But that laughter is the low point because it shows his lack of faith. But when he rises up and takes on the new name of Abraham, and he, he knows that God means what God is saying, hmm, that is the beginning of his faith. And that's why in Romans chapter 4, Paul is pointing to Abraham and says, faith isn't about following the law. Faith is about believing as Abraham believed. So that laughter was both the low point and the high point, or the beginning to the high point, that he became a man of faith. And it was reckoned to him that it was by faith that salvation comes. He trusted in God to be faithful, to make when everything else seemed hopeless, Abraham believed it anyway. So we're supposed to wait for the unexpected, the surprises of God, to trust that God is making a way even when we can't see a way. I know that some of you are, are struggling with jobs and money and relationships, personal challenges in your lives, facing medical procedures or illnesses, facing death yourself, or having experienced recently the death of a loved one. And I know that you put on a brave front. Christians are supposed to be strong. And if somebody asks you how you're doing, you inevitably will say, oh, things are okay. God is good. But you show a face of faith. And when you hear someone say that, you think that they probably have this super faith and that your faith pales in comparison. Because God is good and they're just trusting that God's going to take, every, take care of everything. And you, you're worrying. 
You're concerned. And in fact, you're burdened. And you think that I don't have the great faith of that person. I have a mousy faith. Just a little tiny faith. And it doesn't seem to be very much. And your problems feel bigger and bigger and, and you feel smaller and smaller. And you begin to wonder, how can I have faith like that person? But I think that it's a game that we play. I think that we all struggle with faith. That as we are asked, how are you? It's just easier to say everything's fine even while you're dying inside. And then you make some appeal that suggests that God's walking with you. And you do that to save face. You do that because you don't want to look like you have a small faith. But here's this person looking at you and saying, oh, they've got this great faith. And they feel that their faith is small. And we do that to one another. One of my favorite books is called Leadership with a Limp. What are they teaching in... uh, MBA programs today, leaders take charge. They set out a bold goal and they lead like it's going to all happen. But where real change is occurring is when leaders are vulnerable, where people are vulnerable and they share their vulnerabilities. You see, laughter can have three things. Laughter can be derision. Oh, that's stupid. Ha, ha, ha. Or laughter can be that it's impossible. Ha, ha, ha. But the third way is to recognize that God, God is moving, creating a way when there is no way. And the, the laughter is... I know that God is with me and I'm not afraid. So here's to you, fear. Ha, ha, ha. Laughing in the face of our distrust, our uncertainty, and our vague hopes. I can remember bad financial times in my family. I was talking to my mother the other day and I said, I guess there were some pretty hard times when there were three kids and and you and dad were both working and there wasn't very much money. And she said, well, we never starved. And you know, she was right. But I do remember that every year Uncle Harold would give us a bag of pink pinto beans that sat on the back porch. And there were occasions when at the end of the pay period just before the paycheck came that we would have those pink pinto beans for breakfast and lunch and dinner. And we would take some syrup that was made out of a pill dropped in water from World War II that my father had squirreled away. And we would pour that on the beans to have some sweetness to it. There were hard times. But God was faithful in the midst of that. 
As you are going through difficult and challenging economic times, I know that we are facing uh, just this continued drop in the financial markets. We're seeing the rise of, of joblessness, and already some people that you know are unemployed or their job is threatened, or people are feeling stuck. Or maybe the worst case of all are the people who retired just a year ago thinking, I have this much money, and now their portfolio is cut in half, and that all of their retirement has gone away, or half of it anyway. Can we trust God in such perilous times when our hearts are breaking, when our fear is heightened, and our lives are uncertain? The Bible's full of words of hope and encouragement. The psalmist tells us that the dark, night is darkest just before the dawn and that joy comes in the morning. The story of Jesus Christ is contained in the new covenant or the new promise that God gives us and that in him we have life abundant and life eternal. In the Old Testament histories, we keep hearing these stories about how God has promised and God is faithful. And Abraham is one of those stories because he is a person that Muslims, Jews, and Christians all trace our monotheistic face back to as a progenitor. So the man who laughed in God's face able to say, I will trust in God. Can we trust such a God today? Do we have the faith that we can continue on? Can we be vulnerable enough to share with others both our faith and our unfaith so that they don't feel like you're a super Christian and that they're a mousy Christian? but rather that we all are going through this life with a limp, with our own set of fears, our own set of hopes and dreams that may or may not come true. I'm here today to tell you to affirm what Scripture says, that this is a God that we worship, and can be trusted. That things that seem hopeless, there is a way of hope. There is a way that we will come out of the difficult economic times. It's not going to be the same as it was before. This is a complete paradigm shift in the economics of the entire world. But God will show us a way. And that we will come through it and we will be stronger. And it's not empty rhetoric, but it's based upon the reality that God is good and God is great. And no matter what the burden is that we are carrying, that God walks with us. And when that burden gets too heavy, God helps us to carry it. God has a sense of humor, and we can laugh. But we laugh at all of the negativity 
and all of the put-downs. We laugh in the face of the fear. And we laugh in the face of the hopelessness that we hear every day on the radio and in the news and online. We laugh. Not because we're old, but because we are wise enough to know that God is faithful still. And all of God's people agreed saying, Amen. Thanks be to God.